Now, this is episode number 309 with meditation expert and Headspace founder, Andy Puticle. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. There's a great quote by Ramiz Sasson that says, you get peace of mind not by thinking about it or imagining it, but by quietening and relaxing the restless mind. Your nature is absolute peace. You are not the mind. Silence your mind through concentration and meditation, and you will discover the peace of the spirit that you are and have always been. I am very excited to introduce you to Andy Puttacombe, who is a meditation and mindfulness expert. He is an accomplished presenter and writer, and he's the voice of all things Headspace. There's a great app right now called Headspace that I've been using for a while that uh, has been blowing my mind, and literally blowing my mind. I listen to it every almost every single day, and Andy is the voice and the creator of this this process, and in his early 20s, he made the unexpected decision to travel to the Himalayas to study meditation. It was the beginning of a 10-year journey, which took him around the world, culminating with ordination as a Tibetan Buddhist monk in northern India. He later decided he wanted to transition back into the real world, and he trained briefly at the Moscow State Circus, where he then returned to complete a degree in circus arts. And in this episode, we cover all things meditation and also about his crazy experience from leaving again normal life to going to be a monk, what that was like, the whole process, to then unraveling that process and going back into the real world, to then teaching meditation one by one in small groups and now building the largest meditation app called Headspace with over 6 million users. And in this episode, we cover a lot of things, especially how to navigate emotions in a busy life. If your life feels overwhelming, you're definitely going to want to listen to this one. How monks can survive for years and only on four hours of sleep a night. Why you can sleep for 10 hours and still be exhausted. We also walk you through a guided meditation about how to optimize for any type of performance that you have. This is something you want to make sure you listen to. Why the approach is more important than the technique you use in meditation and so much more. I really enjoyed this one because, again, Andy's – it's interesting. It's almost like uh, I, I meet so many people who listen to the podcast and they say, you know, I listen to you every single day and I hear you for almost an hour a day while I'm driving or working out or uh, you know, getting ready for the day or going to sleep and it's like I know you. Right, a lot of my listeners, a lot of you listening, who, who talk to me, and they sort of like, oh, it's like I know you when I hear you and I meet you in person. It was like I knew Andy because I've been hearing his voice every night before I go to bed, and it was such a pleasure to connect with uh, him in real life. And he's an incredible human being. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Again, this is episode number three zero nine. Make sure to share this out with your friends and have them listen along with you right now. LewisHouse.com slash 309. And check out the full video interview. There'll be a special bonus as well. So make sure to stick around to the very end to hear what that is. And it includes 
Headspace. So without further ado, let me introduce you to the one, the only, Andy Puttacombe. I don't know about you, but when around 3 p.m. hits, I find myself craving the right refreshment to get me through that mid-afternoon slump. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea is full-flavored sweet tea, but without the sugar and the calories. It might take several bottles for you to believe that a delicious sweet tea can really have zero sugar and zero calories. But you know what they say, life is full of surprises. Or in this case, full of flavor. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea. Try it to believe it. For 20% off, off your next 12 pack head to amazon and use promo code 20 pure leaf that's promo code 20 p-u-r-e-l-e-a-f for 20 percent off We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone if you only had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Whether you're searching for a home to buy or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. You can favorite homes, share listings with others, and even schedule tours with a local Redfin agent, all in the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process. They know how to help you win the right home at the right price. So download the Redfin app to get started today. Welcome back to one of the School of Greatness podcast. Very excited about our guest. Andy Puttacombe, good to see you, man. <laughs> good to see you. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for being here Pleasure. in studio. I'm excited about having you on. For those that don't know who you are, you are the one of the creators of an app called Headspace, yep. which um, I just learned that you've been doing the Headspace thing for, for like five to seven years yep. where it was an event, yep. um, and then you did one-on-one kind of coaching, meditation yep. coaching, and then you built this app, yeah. kind of bootstrapped it, and now it's this yeah. huge platform six and a half something million yep. subscribers users, users. Yeah. and um it's taking over the world in it in a world of uh, hundreds of meditation apps i feel yeah. like it stands out which is you've done an incredible job so congratulations thanks yeah. thank you very much well it's a big big team effort there's uh-huh. like 100 100 people in the team now yeah split between la and london and everybody kind of adds something sure, to, sure. something to the app but of it's course. been yeah it's been quite a journey you know it's uh, it's probably 10 years or so since I left the monastery. Wow. And in that time, it's, yeah, it's hard to, hard to, I would never could have imagined. Right. What, what the that, impact that you're creating yeah, now. So tell me what happened. So you became a monk. Why did you become a monk? Um, I became a monk. It's a strange um, thing to do as a 22 <laughs> year old guy. I get it. 22 year old monk. Yeah. Oh, 22. I, I, I went off to become a monk. I trained first as a, as a lay person, then as a novice monk, and then as a fully ordained monk. Um, but I started meditation when I was pretty young. I was like 11, something like that. And my mum was kind of doing it and uh-huh. I was going along to classes with her. You grew up in the UK, right? In the UK. Yep. Yeah. And it wasn't, she wasn't like a crazy hippie or anything. Like she was just kind of, she was fairly open minded, I'd sure, say. Sure. Quite, quite progressive and early adopter, they say now, right? And, sure, sure. um, and then in my, I kind of did it for a few years and, you know, and then it dropped out a bit. And then just in my late teens, early twenties, um, a couple of, Pretty heavy things happened. Uh, I was out for a night with a group of guys. We we're outside the the rugby club. I think it was Christmas Eve, and uh, a drunk driver crashed into like a big group of us. Mm. 
I was on the outside of it. I didn't get hit. Most people did. A couple of them died. Wow. A lot of them were really badly Your injured. Your friends? Yeah. Wow. And then probably about three months after that, my stepsister was killed in a, a, a car accident as well. She was cycling and uh, the driver fell asleep yeah. at the wheel. And for a couple of years, you know, I kind of, I didn't really know what to do with that stuff. Yeah. You know, and the mind was very busy and I, it was kind of there in the background, but I didn't really kind of know how to process it. And, and I was going out with this girl and she was talking a lot about Buddhism and stuff and, you know, and, um, <laughs> and I wasn't really kind of like massively kind of engaged in those conversations, but right. at some level, like the idea really kind of resonated, you know, like not, not to go and read a book about philosophy or psychology, but to actually, you know, go and look Live inside. It. Exactly. You know, and kind of actually examine the mind and find out why the mind was unhappy you know, and why it didn't feel kind of at ease or at peace. And in that moment, it felt like the most natural thing to do in the mm. world. I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Wow. So I, yeah, I quit. I to quit university. Wow. And, um, in uh, London or, uh, it was just outside London. I was doing, sure. um, I was doing a degree in sports science at the time. Oh, cool. So I was, I was kind of competing in gymnastics. I was working as a PT and nice. I was studying sports science. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I'm a sports management major. I haven't done yeah. anything with it, but you know, it's good. <laughs> yeah. um, so you left university yeah. and went to go be a Buddhist monk. Yeah. Okay. And where did you yeah. go? Um, I went first. Um, it's a bit cliche, but you know, where do you go to start being a Buddhist monk, right? So I thought, well, I know where the Dalai Lama lives. Uh -huh. Maybe I'll go there first. Sure, sure. So I went, I went there and I, I stayed in a retreat for a little while, just a few months to begin with, just to kind of get a hang of, you know, what it was like and to better understand the different traditions. Mm. And, mm -hmm. and I actually ended up going down, um, the Theravadan route, which is, it's the school of Buddhism, which is more, um, it's probably easiest to think about it in colors. Like, so you see the maroon guys, mm -hmm. like they're from, um, Nepal and Tibet. Um, yeah. Black is a bit more kind of like Japan and China. And then you've got the saffron kind of, which is more Thailand, Burma, Sri Lanka. The orange? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like the orange. I was in Laos color. and everything. Okay, and exactly. Mon, the yeah. yeah, yeah. So I did that. I sort of studied in that tradition for about five years. Okay. And then eventually went back to become a fully ordained monk in the Tibetan tradition. Wow. So I did a bit of, a bit of both. Five years. So five years I studied Theravadan and then five years I went and did the, the Tibetan. Wow. The Tibetan. And thing. is that where you essentially, you know, you don't, you don't work. You just like go get food in the morning. Like all the monks would come out in the morning and get the rice yeah. and the food and everything. There's different, there's different ways actually. So there mm. are, there are working monasteries where you're involved in, you know, cooking and cleaning and you have mm. responsibilities for the community. Yeah. And then there are retreat monasteries where it's mm. a little bit more hardcore. Um, you don't do anything other than meditate. Just like, so, like a 10 day silent meditation retreat type of except thing. Except imagine that over like a year or, oh, or, or something. You know? <laughs> so, That's insane. Yeah. So it's, you know, wow. if you think, uh, in Burma, uh, you, you get up at two. Um, and apart from breakfast at five and lunch at 11, uh, 2 a.m. you get up. Yeah. So the, the, when you go to bed. Yeah. You get to bed at about, <laughs> uh, just after 10. Okay. So it's quite a short night, but about 18 hours of, um, of meditation. Wow. So Only not, four hours of sleep. Yeah. But I guess the meditative uh, training you do during the day is almost like a deeper sleep where you're getting the, the rest you need. It's very different. I think right? as well the environment and the atmosphere of the monastery, like this, you have no distraction. There's no yeah. stimulation. The mind is not active in the same way. So you're way. not getting exhausted. Is, exactly. And if you think about yes. it, like even when we get uh, a full night's sleep, sometimes – 
you know, I say this having a, a baby at home who wakes us up often in the night. Sometimes even if we do have a full night's sleep, the mind is not necessarily resting. So mm. we can wake up from like a 10-hour sleep and be, exhausted. and be exhausted. Interesting. So as long as the mind is active, it doesn't really matter whether we're awake or asleep. We're still going to end up wow. kind of quite feeling quite tired. So it's very different in the monastery. So the goal is to calm the mind, whether you're throughout the day e- exactly. or at night. Exactly. And the reason they kind of make the nights really short in the monastery is you're you're attempting to kind of develop stability of awareness 24-7, even wow. when you're asleep. And if the night's too long, uh, it's really hard to kind of try to maintain any awareness through the night anyway, never mind over like an eight-hour period. Right. But for a few hours, you can start to kind of get a sense of So you're being aware of, of your sleep. Aware of the mind uh, throughout the sleeping process. Really? As much as possible. Yeah, that's the... I mean, speak to real masters, they've... They've done it. So they're dreaming and they're aware of themselves it's, being so asleep. Lu- so it's lucid. So yeah, the, yeah. the dreaming is lucid. And then they wake um, up and they're just like, well, yeah, I just experienced it. I know everything that just happened. E- exactly. So wow. I mean, that's that's quite that's kind of an advanced kind of practice. And those guys, they're, they're doing Masters. it as a vocation for their lifetimes, you know. So What's the benefit of that, being aware of every moment, 24 hours a day for your whole life? What's that benefit? Um, I think there are many different ways of, of talking about it. Um, I think the interesting thing is, I think there's often this idea that happiness or enlightenment or whatever you want to call it is this, this thing out there, over there in some other place. When actually you start to realize when you kind of practice in that way that it's actually moment to moment. Like enlightenment, happiness, peace of mind is, is here in this moment. If we experience this moment, not only now, but in the next moment, and the next moment, and the next moment, then we have stability of enlightenment, of happiness, mm. of peace of mind. So if you have it 24-7, and it's moment to moment, and you develop consistency and stability of that, then you always have what you always wanted, and it was always here all along. So... Drop you know. the mic. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I, I get that. And yeah. part of me is like, that's something to strive for. And another part of me is like, there's no flavor to life. Yeah. If everything is enlightened yeah. and perfect all the time, where's the texture? Where's that, the juice? Where's yeah. the contrast? Yeah. That's also what makes life exciting and interesting as opposed yeah. to just this, I'm fulfilled all the time. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. well, that, that's a, Does fulfillment ever become unfulfillment? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, it, it's interesting because it, the idea, again, I think the misconception sometimes is that that um, fulfillment or peace of mind or enlightenment, whatever you want to call it, is somehow somehow dull and boring, you know, um, and that maybe we experience less of life, less of our thoughts, less of our emotions. Mm. Everything's just a bit flat. But if you think about it, we're training awareness. So we're not becoming less aware of our emotions and of life and the highs and lows. We're actually becoming more aware of it. Right. The difference is that life is no longer controlling us. We're no longer so easily overwhelmed and we get to choose. So we see a thought that appears and doesn't mean that we're not going to experience sad thoughts. Yes. Close friend dies. Of course, we're going to feel kind of devastated. But does that kind of leave us so paralyzed that we're unable to continue to live our life? Mm-hmm. Or are we able to see it? process it and let it go mm. it doesn't mean we forget them in that you know, so that we're still living kind of life in in the same way life is still going on all around us but we're just getting to kind of step back a little bit and kind of say mm, actually when i follow that route in my mind when i follow that habit of thought it doesn't make me feel good mm-hmm. so you know what i'm not going to do that i want to 
let it go. Gonna let it go. Wow. Wow. Okay, so what happened next? You became a you went to the Buddhist yeah. you went two different routes for to be a monk. <laughs> yeah. And the second part was how long? Two years? Um the Tibetan. So I trained in Tibetan school for about five years. The uh-huh. last um the last, I suppose, three years of that was as a as a fully ordained um Tibetan What's the difference monk. between ordained and uh when you're a novice, um you're still um you're still kind of training, you're learning the ropes and um, there are a lot more rules when you take full ordination. So it's mm. a bit kind of stricter. And, sure, sure. Um, yeah. Um, it, feel, it feels a little different. It feels a bit gotcha. more serious. Okay. <laughs> it's like high school basketball to professional. Exactly. Right? Okay. Exactly. So you did that for two, year, or two years, right? Uh, for three years. Three years. years. And yeah, why did right you stop? End. I stopped. So um, I'd finished a period of training. I went to uh, a Tibetan Buddhist monastery and did a, a year's retreat there. And after that, they, they sent me off to, to Moscow and mm. uh, in Russia. And I ended up spending about four years there. But um, whilst I was there, a lot of lay people, like general public, would come along to the meditation center. And I was still in my, my robes. And the feedback was always the same. This is really beneficial. I really kind of find this useful. But, you know, I don't necessarily relate to the whole kind of Buddhist thing. And look, it's a bit weird. Like yes. you're a man dressed in a skirt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know. So the more we kind of talked about it, the more I thought about it. And I was kind of like, you know, so mm. what am I passionate about here? Is it is it being a monk or is it kind of teaching meditation? And it was it was teaching meditation every time, yeah. you know. So You gain fulfillment and benefit from yeah. adding the value to other people, not just being alone exactly. and meditating all day. Exactly. And I thought that was something that I could do something useful that mm. i could do so i spoke to my teacher and i um i made the decision to to yeah to not leave the robes behind but to kind of dress in a different way mm. you know yeah, that's interesting for me like the i nothing has really changed that much you know obviously just like, the appearance the transformational appearance. yeah and obviously i have a wife and a child now which i couldn't have done you as a month done right but it's i'm i'm teaching meditation and whether I'm dressed in maroon robes, kind of, and s- smell a little bit of incense, or whether I'm kind of living here in L.A. and wearing board shorts, it right. kind of... It's a pretty similar lifestyle. Yeah. It's not that different, you know? <laughs> You're living in Venice. It's a similar... <laughs> All right. So there, smell are, the there same are a few way. differences, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Now, did you have conflicting thoughts when you were like, okay, well, I'm not supposed to... This is the path that I thought I was supposed to be chosen to do yeah. or choosing to do, um, and, you know, no wife, no kids in this path, yeah. but now... Everything that I thought I wanted, I'm going to change yeah. and go against those beliefs, I guess, in a way. Yeah, well, it's interesting. So the the lovely thing about Buddhism is that it's very kind of open, you know. So there's no idea that once mm. you take robes, that's it for life. In that's fact, good. people regularly go in and out of the monastery and kind of it's not considered like, you know, a bad thing. So there's no guilt or anything attached mm-hmm. to it. In fact, so much so you even make a commitment like one year, three years, five years. And then every mm-hmm. when that commitment ends, you either just stop because that's the commitment you made, or you make another commitment to continue right. a bit further. Right. So it provides a, a certain element of, of freedom, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, but in terms of, of changing, I think the hardest thing was, like, as a monk, you give away everything. So I had nothing. My, wow. I kind of had my clothes I was wearing. And I was thinking, like, how do you even begin to go back to, to normal life? I was living in Moscow. I kind of wanted to go back to London. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, I finished my time. So how did you? <laughs> yeah. So I finished my time as, as, as a monk and I had six months left in Russia before going back to planning to go back to England. I had some friends who were helping me go back to, go back to England. You were, you were still in contact with friends and family. Yeah. Exactly. At this stage, I was not so much in the, in the retreats and the monasteries, but once I was living in Moscow, there was a bit more, yeah. a bit more contact. 
And uh, a friend of mine in Moscow was um, studying. He was doing a degree at Moscow State Circus. And, you know, I'd competed in gymnastics and I'd had 10 years where I'd done no exercise at all. No exercise. No exercise. Zero. To, right? Yeah. It's just kind of not part of the daily That's kind of crazy. routine. So I was kind of itching a little bit to do that. I could imagine. Just to get back into my body. Into, oh, my uh, gosh. And um, Too much headspace. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> there is such a thing. And... um so I, he said, look, why don't you come along to the to the circus, you know, and kind of, you know, maybe just do some one-on-ones. And mm-hmm. so I did, and I really loved it. And the guy said, hey, do you know what? Like, you can um, you can actually do a degree in London. And uh, so I started thinking about this. And I was like, well, I want to go back to London. I kind of need a bit of time just to work out how I'm going to do this transition right. and what I'm going to do. And I knew that the government in England, because I was quite old by that stage, like 32 or something, and they give you incentive to kind of go and study. And they would actually pay. And they'd not only pay for you to go to university, but they'd pay for like your accommodation and stuff. Mm. And I was like, hey, this could work out. This could work out. <laughs> so I sent off a, a video. I made a video audition tape um, to, to get into the National School of Circus, um, which wow. is part of the Conservatoire of Dance and Drama in France. And... um yeah, and I, somehow I got in. I've no Amazing. idea how. So I did a, a degree in circus, and while I was doing that, I put together the material for for Headspace. Really? Yeah. And were you working on different people in the circus or in the in the school and teaching them? meditation wise? Yeah, more outside actually. So really? I was yeah, not so much within the within the circus. Um, wow, that was very much kind of physical kind of interesting. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. In person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. When you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. Like when you're trying to buy tickets for the best seat at your favorite team's big game. Or when you're hiring for your business and you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. With ZipRecruiter, you can find qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com greatness. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. 
And I believe finding the right team member is one of the most important steps in setting up my company for success. We like to ensure our new hires will be a good fit before they're even on the team. So I am grateful that I have ZipRecruiter's help when we want to grow the team fast. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. What was yeah. the most uh, interesting lesson you learned about being in circus school? Yeah, good question. There are several. I think the one that stayed with me is the willingness to just go out there and just try something mm. and to leave behind any idea of success or failure. There are ideas in the mind. Like, admittedly, if you're swinging from the trapeze, you want to succeed in catching the other one. Absolutely. <laughs> but in terms of kind of going out there and, and performing, like as long as you're thinking, you're kind of getting in your own way. Mm -hmm. Like in life generally. Yeah. And you think if, if you're too tight on the tightrope, you're going to fall off. If you're too loose and relaxed, you're going to fall off. It's finding that kind of mm -hmm. sweet spot. So there's something about stepping out on stage, finding that sweet spot in both body and mind, and kind of letting go of any idea of trying to be a certain way but just simply being in the moment mm. and just letting that moment unfold. There's something beautiful in that, very kind of liberating. And there's no way I could do what I'd now do with Headspace today unless I'd gone through that first, I think. Wow. You know, it's, Interesting. Yeah, Interesting. It's fun. Well, what's the scariest part of uh, being a monk um, <laughs> for you? What was scary? Was there anything scary for you? Before going to do it? Yeah, before and during. I think before um, the idea of leaving friends and family and life kind of somehow carrying on without wow. me, like, you know, friends were getting married and having kids and all that you stuff. You weren't there. Yeah, it was kind of happ happening and I was kind of missing a lot of it. So I think the idea of that before I went was, was pretty big in my mind. Yeah. And then when I was there, I think just the intensity of it, like sometimes it's just like, wow. This is full on. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. As much as you get the, the, the calm and the peace of mind, a lot of it involves sitting down with a very busy mind that's kind of, you know, it's quite cantankerous, you know, it's throwing up difficult thoughts. Wow. And you have to kind of maintain that sense of awareness of just seeing thought without getting involved in it. Without, and that takes some time. That takes some practice because normally when difficult thoughts arise in the mind or, or difficult emotions, we normally buy into them mm. and we become those emotions. Mm -hmm. So it takes a little while to kind of step back enough to kind of go, oh, oh, you know what? That's just a feeling. Huh. How about that? Mm. And, and I don't have to become it. E exactly. I can let it go. Exactly. But it, it, it takes time. And so to begin with, it's quite a shock when you mm. like, wow. Do you, do you um, face big moments or breakdowns in your day-to-day -day life right now? You're, you're co-founder of a big company. You've got a lot of employees on the team. You're yeah. in a busy city. There's traffic, you know, probably getting here. You're probably like, what's going on? <laughs> what happens when you feel like you're about to have an emotional breakdown or you yeah. feel the emotions turning or something? Yeah. How do you navigate the process now in a busy life? Yeah. I think the, the beauty, Lewis, of, of training consistently is that, it tends to kind of last like there is a the training last. Yeah. The training lasts. So there's an element. It's not like you leave the monastery and you leave your mind at the monastery and all the training at the monastery mm -hmm. kind of comes with you. And that's really the idea. Same with meditation in everyday life. It's the idea is not to kind of make it all about the meditation, those 10 minutes, because 
what about the other 23 hours and 50 right. minutes, right? Right, right? So it's how do we take that and kind of carry it into our life in the mm-hmm. same way? How do you take those years of training? And, and it, after a while, there isn't really any kind of effort required. It, it's kind of in, inbuilt. It's yeah. an effort. It becomes an effortless thing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean like I'm definitely no kind of master here. Like, so of course I have moments and, mm-hmm. you know, if, if the baby kind of hasn't slept for, <laughs> for a number of kind of nights, then how do you handle that when you're just like agitated or you're frustrated or something? Yeah. What's your process? Yeah, I I don't really have a kind of, okay, right, now I need to do this. Definitely stopping, pausing, and doing some meditation will make a difference. It kind of helps to reset the the, the mind a couple little minutes, bit. A couple minutes, 10 e- minutes, e- some yeah, seconds. E- e- I, I think, look, in, in the night, kind of a few, genuinely, sort of 10, 20, 30 seconds is enough to kind of let go be of aware. the frustration yeah. of kind of being awake. Because if you think about it, anything in life, it's really just our resistance towards it is wanting it to be a different way. As soon as we realize, oh, yeah, it's just because of that, then we kind of let go of it. Mm. It doesn't mean that we kind of love the situation, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but at least now we're not pushing against it, resisting, causing even more stress. It's, and and it's not owning us. Exactly. Exactly. Interesting. What's your – do you have like a go-to mantra or, or, or meditation practice like in these situations? Yeah. I mean, your app, obviously, you have like all these different, uh, I guess, kind of like chapters and categories, yeah. but – what do you personally do in that moment when the baby's crazy or something, you know, someone says something to yeah. you or the car, you know, traffic, what is, yeah. what's the go-to for you? There's a little bit at the end. I know you've used the, the app. There's a little yes. bit at the end um, of whatever one you're doing that I always say, okay, right, right now, just let your mind do whatever it wants to uh-huh. do. So it's a sense of, on the one hand, giving the mind total freedom to do whatever it wants. And at the same time, there's a sense of awareness. You can't really do that, let your mind go free, unless you maintain a certain degree of awareness. So for me, that is the the shortcut. It's in there because I think it's just an incredibly valuable tool. Mm. It's so short because if you leave it too long, then the mind will start to wander and you lose that sense of awareness. So it's kind of just getting the balance right. But if you do that even Mm -hmm. for 10, 20 seconds, it's a game changer. You know, we were talking before we started the interview that I've been doing, you know, guided visualization meditation for over 15 years and i see the power of it because when i started doing this my sister gave me a a, a meditation from it was like a 13 minute meditation from a uh a guy from tibet right I think, or no a guy from De- nepal who was a mm-hmm. yogi his name is swami g it was like right. her swami g or something and she just goes here's the audio check this out i think you might like it when i was in college i was like 18 or 19 and like I said, about a month afterwards, I broke this world record in football yeah. and just the records kept coming and I just felt sharper and so focused. Yeah. And I was a pretty focused guy already, but I just felt like unstoppable. You know, it's just like, I just didn't feel like anyone could stop me yeah. in my sport yeah. and in life really. But I was just like, I was more committed to my vision. I had, I guess, more willpower to like, you know, I wanted to be, to eat well and I was able yeah. to be clearer on like why i'm eating purposefully as opposed to just eating junk food yeah. and then everything just made a lot more sense yeah in sports life relationships and i was just like okay i'll just keep doing this one thing yeah and i didn't really know and i actually took a break for a few years after sports and i gained like 40 pounds <laughs> and you know all, i was making yeah. money but i was like my life yeah. was kind of out of balance and i yeah. remember getting back into it listening to the same audio track a few years ago 
and it noticed a big difference. Yeah. And then I started Headspace about five or six months ago, I think. And um, man, it's been so impactful in my life. It's been so positive and powerful. Right. And the way you teach or the way you just, you know, share, it's like this, it's almost like therapy. Yeah. It's like a therapeutic. <laughs> yeah. So relaxing. And I actually listen to you right before I go to bed, which yeah. I, I don't think you, I think you actually say, don't do this. You know, I it's think like, it depends on the individual. Actually. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a very personal thing. For me, it puts me to sleep yeah. after like a few minutes. Yeah. Because my mind is so busy that I need yeah. to allow myself to calm down. Yeah. And it puts me in like this calmer state. And, um, and then I'll listen to it. I try to listen to it in the morning the first thing as well. It depends yeah. on what I'm doing, but, um, I feel like, even more powerful when I do it in the morning yeah. for 10 minutes. Yeah. Because then I'm really setting my intention for the day. Exactly. I think that's the difference. And uh, it's just a game changer. I mean, it's like that's such right. a game changer. And I'm curious, how many meditation apps are there out there right now? Do you know? I have no idea. Like We, we, were, we were definitely the first one really? out there. Um, when did you launch? Uh, we launched about four years ago. Wow. Uh, the first version of it. But it's really kind of taken off in the last year. It yeah, seems like, I think right? about a year and a half ago we launched. Mm. The first one was really a, it was a beta version. We just wanted to to see yeah. what worked and what didn't, and then we kind of worked a lot on the app over about a period of a year and a half. And then, yeah, uh, about a year and a half ago we we launched version two, and we jumped from like seven hundred and fifty thousand uh, users to say wow. kind of, well over six million. Now. Crazy. So it was a big a big jump, big change. Crazy. Oh. Who is it for? Who's the app for? It's for all of us. Yeah. You know, and it it sounds a bit kind of cheesy, like it's for human beings. Like, mm. But I don't know anybody. I've never met anyone in the world who wouldn't like to feel a little more calm, mm. who wouldn't like a bit more clarity, who wouldn't like to feel a bit more content, and who wouldn't want to feel more kindness or compassion in their life. I just... Even if we feel like everything is going well in our life, at some stage, the the nature of the human condition is such that things will probably change. Mm -hmm. And it might be. It could be illness for ourselves, or it could be illness for the people around us that we love. It might be a change in environment. It might be a change in geography. Anything can happen, you know. So I feel like rather than, I think, the society generally, right, that we live in is very kind of about fixing stuff. Like mm. once it's already happened, right. you know, it's management, treatment. Like meditation is at its best when we use it for prevention. When you're already doing well. Exactly. Not you when know? things are crazy and yeah, messed up. Yeah, only because it's that much harder. You know, like if you think if you're in the <laughs> yeah. middle of a really intense situation and someone's like, oh, just learn meditation. Like, yeah. You're struggling to even deal with, and never mind, learn new stuff. So it doesn't mean we can't use it for, for those things. But I think if we can get into a cycle and a habit in the same way, we don't wait for our teeth to go really well. In Britain, we right, do. Right. Um, but you but clean wait, them so it, they don't it, get bad. Exactly. Yeah. Right? So we get into this kind of pattern of, of hygiene. And in the same way, I think it's hygiene of the health of the mind. Mm. You know, how do we just kind of keep it fresh and sharp and calm and focused? Mm-hmm. And if we do it consistently, that happens. Interesting. I love it. It's like flossing your brain. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's like getting the gunk out in between the stuff. It's a new line. Let me just It's flossing the brain. Yeah. yeah. Um now, I didn't prep you for this, but I'm yeah. curious, can we can we do like a couple minute meditation or something? Can, you know? Okay. Yeah, would you like to? I would love to. Yeah. yeah. I mean just to either give people a sample of yeah. like what this even looks like and sounds like and for is. Sure. 
And um, I know you have different like tracks for like yeah. going to sleep and like yeah. all these other things in there. Let's do one. If you can, again, I'm putting you on the spot here. But let's do one for like preparing yourself for a big moment in life. Okay. Like you're you're feeling anxious because you've got a big speech, TED Talk. You've yeah. got a, a big yeah. sports game, like the biggest game of your life. Yeah. You're going on the f- first date of like the woman of your dreams yeah. that you're about to meet. Yeah. And you were just like. Your heart is pounding. Your yeah. mind is racing. You know, nothing bad is happening in your life, but you're just like overwhelmed and you can't yeah. relax. Yeah. But you want to perform and do the – this is like your make or break moment. Yeah. We can do that. Let's do it. <laughs> the The context is important to give because it's, it's as much about genuinely like the technique's important in meditation, but the approach is even more important because mm. unless you know how to approach it, you're not going to get the benefit from it. What do you mean by that? So, for example, three, just three tips, kind of, which I think will give you more benefit from this Perfect. exercise. So, tip one, expectation. Like, if you are sitting down and you're thinking just because we're doing something called meditation, that your mind is immediately going to switch off and be quiet and there'll be no thoughts, you're going to think that this has failed. And right. And you might not do it again because you think, I'm no good at this. You know? Right. Because your first time, it's probably not going to be calm. Exactly. You're probably so, going to continue to have thoughts. Exactly. Not be able to focus. Exactly. Perfectly normal, like learning any skill. Yes. More than that, meditation is not even about stopping thoughts. It's about stepping back and seeing the mind more clearly. Mm. And so this place, kind of, I always think about it like cars on a road. Kind of the, the road is the mind and the cars are the thoughts. Kind of the job is not to kind of run around in the road, kind of trying to stop this thought and chase after that thought. And it's about actually stepping off the road. And seeing the thoughts. Sitting on the verge comfortably and witnessing thoughts coming and going and when you do that over time the traffic starts to kind of slow down a little bit mm. and you might one day doesn't happen very often here in la i know but you might just see a road without any cars on it at all you know who knows who knows it could, it could happen, man. It could happen. <laughs> <laughs> so expectation is the first thing okay. so so know that your mind will continue to think right. thoughts will arise that's okay perfectly natural second thing effort okay we, again, live in a society where we're encouraged to kind of do stuff and yes. to do stuff kind of with passion and intensity. And, well, that's fine and it's great mm-hmm. and it gets us kind of to a lot of places we want to get to in life. Mm-hmm. But you can't force relaxation to happen. You can't force a quiet mind in the same way that you can't force sleep. So, you know, I would say the things are very similar. Mm-hmm. You lie in bed. Let's say you've got that big presentation or whatever it is the next day. And you're lying in bed thinking, oh, I've got to get to sleep. I've got to get to sleep. Well, the yes. more you think that, the less likely you know, you start, start sweating. You know, yes. it's like, oh my God, I can't get to sleep. No, I've got to try harder. I've got to try harder. It's like, <laughs> this is never going to work, right? So in the same way, you know, with meditation, mm. it's can't, it can't be a case of, oh no, I'm doing terrible. I've got to focus harder. I've got to focus harder. I was saying to someone the other day, maybe it was a talk I was giving, I can't remember. I was in a, I went to, to do a, uh, like a thing in a, a bank once. Like 600 kind of bankers <laughs> traders there and teaching uh, the meditation yeah and and as i as i walked in there i heard one one of them say say to the other one like right i'm gonna meditate the crap out of this <laughs> and it's kind of like okay well if, if we're going into it with that kind of intensity you're, we're probably not going to get the, yes. the benefit we're looking for yes so, you want to give your full effort exactly but that doesn't mean like it's not kind of a will kind of thing it's yes. more kind of actually like easing off a little bit yeah. like and kind of saying oh this is nice Yes. For 10 minutes, I don't have to do anything. Right. Right. You know, so expectations are first. 
efforts a second. Mm-hmm. And the third one, I think of it as blue sky. It's um for me this idea was a, a total game changer. I always meditated with the idea that as we were talking about earlier, like happiness or peace of mind was somewhere else and it was maybe five minutes ahead of me or ten minutes or maybe a year ahead of me. And if I could just get to that point, then everything would be okay. Mm-hmm. And then one of my teachers said kind of like, think of it like this, you know. So even on a even on a cloudy day, the the blue sky is still there. If we think about the blue sky being that peace of mind, that sense of kind of happiness and ease, like that's always there. And if we live in a very cloudy country like England, where I'm, mm. I'm from, you know, you sometimes see, you forget. You don't, see it much. you don't see it much. And so you forget and <laughs> yeah. you kind of, and you have to get in a plane and kind of go up through the clouds to be see reminded, mm. oh, okay, it's, it's still there. And in the same way, like in the mind, happiness, peace of mind is always with us. It's never been anywhere else. It's mm. just that we've got so caught up in the clouds or the clouds have obscured our, our perceptions so much that we've forgotten about that. So it doesn't make any sense to be sitting there trying to create what we think is relaxation or happiness or peace of mind because it's already, it's already there. It's within us. And so all of it, that does something to the dynamic. Rather than trying to project an idea onto the experience, instead we simply witness the experience. Mm. So remembering that your mind will think anyway, knowing that you don't have to try too hard, and knowing that peace of mind is, within, is, us. Is, all, is with, with, within us and is always here, if you can remember That's those three things, first. then you then you start to get some benefit from the exercise. Before we get into the exercise yeah. then, can you give some – for those that are skeptics or – I was talking to a friend of mine recently the other day who's a world-class, really well-known athlete, yeah. top of the world. Yeah. And uh, she was like, yeah, I don't know if I'd you know, do meditation. I just don't know if I'd believe in it. You know, yeah. I don't know. I feel like I'm already like – trained my mind so much through my practice working out and like rehabbing and everything that i just don't know if i would need additional training for the mind yeah you know she's got sports psychologist she's got everything so maybe she's already doing it in a sense maybe um so you know why for anyone who's skeptical why is meditation is there science that backs this up is there research is there facts like data it's like here's why when you do this it adds so much value to you yeah well there's a there's a ton of different stuff in in that one (laughs) in that one one question i think the first thing i'd say is that like anyone who kind of is skeptical and thinks that kind of meditation isn't for them the beauty of meditation is that you get to define it by your intention Mm. so we can't even say that meditation is this in a box to one person it's helping them sleep better. Yeah. To another person, it's about reducing stress. To another person, it's about performance, kind of on the track or in the water, whatever mm-hmm. it might be. To another person, it might be about patience and being able to listen better to their to their partner and have kind of happier mm-hmm. relationships. So we can't really kind of say like it is one thing. It's defined by the intention of the user. So if there is something in your life, I would say to that kind of that skeptical audience you know that you would like to feel more at ease with Mm -hmm. then there's a pretty good chance that meditation is going to be beneficial sure and whereas kind of 20 years ago um i'd have probably sat here and was like "Mm, i can't really prove it you know it's so now we have the science so we have fmri technology which allows scientists researchers to actually look at the brain before during and after meditation really and they can see that the the areas of 
the brain which are responsible for our feelings of happiness and well-being the cortex is receiving greater amount of blood flow when we meditate really it gets thicker it gets stronger in the same way as when we go to the the gym and we train a muscle it gets thicker and stronger same time same way when we sit down to meditate we're training that part of the brain it gets thicker it gets stronger so we spend more time there we experience more of it and there's some really interesting sometimes people think like yeah it's fine for tibetan monks but kind of what about the rest of us you know what if we're only doing a little bit a day a year two years back some great research that shows that after just four or five days of doing 20 minutes a day already the areas of the brain kind of that we were just talking about they're already receiving a great amount of blood flow Mm. so although the cortex isn't necessarily changing that quickly the behavior the kind of neural network is already changing so we can see changes really really quickly and this whole process this world of neuroplasticity where we start to understand that the brain is not fixed that our habits are not fixed it can change and not just on a psychological level but on a physiological level Mm. as well it's i think for a lot of skeptics you kind of look at that and it's like wow that's real like it's there's no kind of does it work doesn't it work it's there there's a talking about sport just now though there's a great one which i i still love it was um it's golfers and they're visualizing playing a golf shot we got a professional golfer you got an amateur golfer and you look at the professional golfer who's visualizing in the mri and in the brain there is just like a single dot like it's beautiful it's like a little golf ball actually it's kind of it's, it's just bright it's very clear everything else is black it's like it's single pointed focus and then you look at the amateur golfer and it's like fireworks going off. Like, because they're not just playing the shot. They're not in the moment playing the shot. They are thinking about playing the shot. And so they're thinking about, oh, my shoulder's in the right place. Mm. Well, but what about this and this and this and this? And I think in life so often we're kind of thinking about life rather than simply living life. Mm. We're so busy. We make it so complicated that the mind becomes scattered. It feels very kind of busy. Whereas if we can kind of let go of some of that stuff and simply be in the moment with whatever we're doing, then we might start to experience that single-minded focus. I love that. Okay, perfect. All right, well, let's let's do the exercise. Okay. That works for you. All right, so we won't do a whole kind of 10 minutes. Yeah, just a few minutes. Just a couple of minutes. minutes. um, Yeah, no big deal. Okay, so obviously, you know, typically we wouldn't be sitting here looking looking at each other. (laughs) Yes. Excuse me. So, but I would recommend to anyone who's kind of trying this exercise, don't need to sit cross-legged on the floor or any of that. You can do it sitting on a chair. And I do it with the arms and legs uncrossed, with the feet flat on the floor. And the hands, you know, just on the on the lap or, or in cool. the knees. You know this intro well by now, Lewis. Yes, so yes, 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 yes. I'm, I'm always laying on my back, actually. You always say, like, <laughs> okay. sit in the chair, but I'm always laying down. You That's sleep. okay, too, yeah, yeah. you know. That's okay. So you're going to start off, okay? We're going to start off with the eyes open. Mm-hmm. and just looking directly ahead so you're not looking at me mm-hmm. and if you're at home you're not looking at one particular thing you're aware of that entire space around you so without moving your eyes you're aware of the peripheral vision either side of you and also above and below so it's like you have a very sort of soft focus that takes in that entire space and just maintaining that focus just taking a deep breath breathing in through the nose And out through the mouth. As you breathe in through the nose, just a sense of the body expanding, the lungs filling with air. And as you breathe out, a sense of the muscles just sort of softening in the body a little bit. And with the next out breath, just gently closing the eyes. 
So as you close the eyes, you're immediately going to be more aware of the space around you, the other senses. So I'd like you to focus in particular on that sensation of, of touch. You can just allow the breath to return to its natural rhythm now, just in and out through the nose. And just focusing on that feeling of weight, the body pressing down against a chair beneath you. That sensation of the feet on the floor and of the hands and the arms just resting on the legs. Just take a moment to notice any sounds around you. Doesn't matter what environment you're in, doesn't matter how many noises are going on around you. In this exercise, we're going to actually use the sounds as a point of focus. So just noticing the different sounds, allowing them to come and go. Remember, it's perfectly normal for thoughts to arise in the mind, especially if you've got something big coming up. So just recognizing that, allowing the thoughts to come and go. And as you do that, just bringing the attention back to the body. Just starting to notice how the body feels. Again, not trying to change anything. If you feel nervous, whether you feel a sense of lightness in the body, excitement, if you've got something coming up. Just noticing it. The easiest way of doing it is just to scan down through the body. So starting at the top of the head, just scanning down, noticing how each part of the body feels. Just slowly working your way down towards the toes. So not trying to change the feeling in any way. Maintaining a nice, slow, steady pace as you continue down through the body. And as you get down to the feet, just feeling that contact between the feet and the floor. doesn't matter whether you're standing, sitting, or lying with your knees bent. Just focusing for a moment on that contact, the feet on the floor, feeling grounded, knowing that the mind will continue to think, that thoughts will come and go, allowing them to do that. But just bringing the attention to that feeling of contact. And then just starting to become more aware again of the space around you, the different sounds. Starting to become more aware of that contact of the body on the chair, the feet on the floor, hands on the legs. And when you're ready, just gently opening the eyes again.
And have a stretch. If you like, you didn't fall asleep, then, you know. No. no. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's so powerful. And it's just a couple of minutes, right? A couple of minutes. You know, it's, it's so powerful. Put me right back into this relaxation, calm. Like at the first moment of it, I was like, I actually started sweating and I felt very heavy. Yeah. And so I started thinking, man, am I going to look sweaty on yeah. camera when I wake up? <laughs> and then I was just like, just let it go. Yeah. As you're going through all the different moments. And then yeah. I felt very relaxed and, you know, fine, not sweaty anymore. Yeah. It's just like, uh, it's just such a, every time I do it, it's such a powerful reminder that even a few minutes yeah. can change the trajectory of your day. Yeah. If you choose it. Absolutely. And if you allow it. Yeah. It's, it's so powerful. Um, wow. How many different types? I mean, when I think about it, when I try to break it down, I haven't thought about it that much, but when I try to break it down right now, there's different elements of these 10-minute meditations that you, you yeah. talk about. You talk about being aware of the, the body, the sounds, mm -hmm. feeling, the, you know, touching things. Yeah. Um, and then there's some meditations where it's like, uh, I don't know if you do this, but I've, I've heard somewhere it's like thinking about the trees and the clouds and this and imagine yourself walking in a mountain, you know, it's like taking yeah. you to different places. Yeah. We definitely do a lot of visualization yes. or, or I do a lot of visualization. It tends to, it tends not to be so much to kind of imagine you're, you're walking out there, that kind of thing. It's more kind of, okay, here's, here's the image. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, okay. Can you sort of maintain it? Exactly. Kind of maintaining focus on that. Uh, I think that does something very particular to, what, to, to why do you mind. do that um so one it's uh it's a technique that we used a lot in in the monastery. I found it incredibly beneficial because I was trying to explain it to someone the other day i for me it's really kind of interesting when you look at pictures or documentaries of monks and nuns kind of and they're sitting there and maybe they're chanting and they're ringing bells and stuff, and you're like like. <laughs> How does that bring peace of mind? Like, what are they doing? You know, is that even meditation? And mm. so if I think back to kind of the, the Tibetan Buddhist monastery, so you'd be sitting there and there would be kind of piece of paper and you'd be reading the Tibetan. So you have to learn Tibetan. And then wow. underneath, they'd very kindly put an English translation. So you're reading in Tibetan, but you're at the same time scanning the translation to make sure you understand that you know what you're actually sort of saying. Uh -huh. In this hand, you've got a little bell. And if you don't keep it steady, like this, the bell starts to kind of do this and all, all kinds of kind of funny shit. So you're trying to keep it really kind of steady. It sounds easy. It's not because in this hand, you're holding something else. And then in your mind, you're visualizing. And if I think about kind of one particular visualization, there's, there's 108 different people all wearing slightly different things. They're all sitting in slightly different positions, holding different instruments. They're wearing different color clothes. And you're trying to kind of main build up this visualization. You start with one person, you kind of build it up. You're trying to maintain this visualization whilst doing this and doing this and kind of reading the Tibetan, scanning the English. And what it does is wow. it kind of it, it creates a situation where you're not having to force the mind to stop thinking. In that space, there is no there is no place for the mind to think like thoughts just kind of disappear. They evaporate in that space because you got five it, things. It, exactly. It's so yeah. kind of, and, and through that, it kind of creates a very sort of gentle focus. So there's, hmm. there's, there's something about kind of setting up a framework of visualization where it allows us to, to naturally be present with one thing rather than being kind of caught up in, in lots of things. What would you say is the key to getting 
in the zone for someone. You know, we talk about as athletes, we talk about getting in the zone yeah. is like where you can reach your peak performance. Yeah. Um, and obviously, it's being present and focusing on the single moment. Yeah. That's how you get there. But how does someone approach that? Yeah. To to cre- cultivate that experience. Yeah. So th- what I would encourage with that kind of thing is is to look at the the shortcut. So because yes. in those situations you probably don't want to kind of s- sit down. You don't and- have ten minutes. It's exactly. Like, how do I get there now? Exactly. So part of that is training, and the more you train, like the easier it becomes, and the quicker and you'll it becomes. always be prepared and ready. Exactly. So, the, so there's, there's that, the, <laughs> Just, there is that aspect. Yes. But I would look at another aspect as well, and that's kind of um, the loop that exists between body and mind. So, the temptation with meditation is to think, oh, okay, well, it's it's all about the mind; it's not about the body. But the the quickest route, kind of, to getting in the zone is to step out of the mind and to be present in the body. Normally. The body is here, or we're walking down the street, but the mind is somewhere else. It's with a conversation we had last week, or on your phone, or whatever. <clears> exactly, yeah. or a big game, or something that's kind nice. of coming up soon. So what happens is, okay, in the mind, perhaps as a thought, <clears throat> like, oh wow, this is a really important moment for me. Like, I really need. And then we feel in the body like a reaction to that thought. There's an emotional response. Maybe it's butterflies in our mm-hmm. stomach, or maybe the chest gets a bit tighter. The mind recognizes that and goes, "Oh shit, we're in trouble." Here. Right, right. Like it's time to start worrying. Like this is real. Yes. <clears throat> so then the mind starts kind of producing a lot more kind of anxious thoughts. The body recognizes that it gets even more tight, even more tense, and all of a sudden we're caught up in this vicious sort of spiral. You know. Yeah. So it's how do we step out of the loop? And the quickest way to step out of the loop is to be present in the body. So. Just like we did just then, like I chose the the sensation of the the feet on the floor. But if you can find a, either that, or it might be the sensation of I don't know the the backside on mm-hmm. on the chair. If you can find a point of focus that's in the body, essentially, again, you're not kind of ignoring the thoughts. You're not resisting thoughts. You're just saying, "Hey, mind, just kind of be present of this sensation." Mm. And it has a really weird. It's like the thoughts just they just. They disappear. Mm. And all of a sudden, we're in the body and ready, present yeah. to do whatever we need to do in the moment. Yeah. I've heard another trick of just like taking your shoes off and stepping on grass or dirt yeah. and feeling the ground with like it's, your feet. It, with it's your all skin. about feeling grounded and being mm. present in the body rather than lost in the yes. mind. Yes. Yeah. Do you think there's a, a, a great – like say someone's like a beginner and you're like, okay, here's the, here's the approach you should take. If you want yeah. to become a master meditator yeah. – Here's the right time. Yeah. Here's how often you should do okay. it throughout the day. Like, should nice. it be free first thing in the morning? Should it be last yep. thing at night? Driving your car? I don't know. Like, how yep. many times a day? When is the perfect <laughs> optimal time? <laughs> yep. How long should you meditate for yep. in those times? Yeah. If you're just starting out. Okay. Yeah, it's a great question. Well, I would say it's all about consistency. The This is a skill. And like any skill, it only kind of it only works if you practice it. Yes. And I would think always think about it as a practice. I'd say that we are never masters of meditation. We are always students of it. We are always kind of learning and we're continually refining. Mm-hmm. And if you don't use it, you probably lose it eventually. Exactly. And and I think um like you know, I know a lot of people who very diligently kind of take their, their gym kit to work every day, but they don't go to the gym. Mm-hmm. Okay you're probably not going to see the benefits, right? right? So in just the same way with meditation, it only works if you do it. That's my number one. Number two, yet, although we're all different and we should be flexible, we're finding the right time, the best time or the time you're going to see probably the, the maximum benefit in terms of stability of awareness as opposed to kind of sleep is first thing in the morning. Okay. Um, 
I'm always reminded of a uh, an email we got in from a guy who said, look, I'm loving this meditation. But to be honest, the meditation thing isn't the bit I'm excited about. The, the difference is that when I meditate first thing in the morning, I'm more mindful throughout my day. I make better choices. I eat the right foods. I actually do follow through and go to the gym. Right. I actually do communicate better with my wife. and I don't react to people. E- exactly. No. Exactly. So somehow by setting up first thing in the day, we are that much more likely to be mindful throughout the day. So okay. I think that's a, a really important thing. If you look at kind of just basic habit stuff, um, habit formation, same time, same place is is a useful thing. Again, don't allow that to be an obstacle. If you find yourself somewhere else at a different time, it's still mm, fine. Better yes. to better to do the meditation. But a, a trick that kind of I, I think works especially well is called coupling. I don't know if you've ever heard of yes. this. So if you're if you're brushing your teeth every morning, make it brush your teeth and meditation. Or if it maybe it's a cup of tea cup at the of, same time. It, well, definitely be more mindful of brushing your teeth, right, but actually right, right. To, to do the activity. So, and then the, yes. to, yeah, to find something that you do in your life every day and to attach meditation to it. So it it just becomes kind of part of the schedule. It's Second like, nature, yeah. Exactly. Oh, breakfast and meditation, shower and meditation. Yeah. And it just becomes kind of, it, it works really well. Um, and if you still struggle, put it in your diary. Kind of actually mm-hmm. prioritize the health of your mind to such mm-hmm. an extent that mm-hmm. you say, hey, you know what? My happiness and the happiness of the people around me is worthy right. of a 10-minute space in my diary. Yeah. And I think that will make a, make a mm-hmm. real difference. Um, is physical activity before or after meditation a good thing, a bad thing? Does it benefit? Does it not benefit? I think it's just a thing. Okay. Like, no, I wouldn't. It's not going to hurt you. No, a lot of people I've spoken to, and it's a really personal thing. Some people love the feeling of exhausting the body first, and they find that Mm. meditation is much easier after doing that. Other people find it's a great way of preparing the mind to go and exercise. So I think it it can work either way. Um, What's the future of meditation like? I mean, this is something I've been hearing more and more people talk about, that yeah. there's going to, you know, Unplug is the center in Santa Monica. Yeah, that's right. yeah. It's a meditation center. Like a, yeah. It's kind of like a yoga practice for meditation. You know, yeah. you do hour-long sessions. Where do you see meditation going? You know, obviously your app has blown up 6.5 million users. Yeah. Tons of apps out there. Yeah. More books about it. Yeah. Do you feel like it's going to die off eventually? Do you feel like this is a small trend that's going to yeah. fade at some point and people are going to get back to realizing that the mind isn't invaluable. I don't know. Or do you think yeah. that it's just going to get bigger and bigger and more saturated of everyone's going to be doing this. They're going to be teaching it in schools. Yeah. Where do you see it going? Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Like, uh, the, I was just thinking of a phrase. One of my Tibetan teachers said that like, with meditation, it's a bit like swallowing a porcupine. Like it's not coming back out. <laughs> and, um, and in the same way, one, I think as a society, once we've kind of started out on this journey, you can't really kind of change it. I think, once people become more aware of the importance of mental health and the health of the mind generally, you can't really be less aware of that. You know, mm. we can ignore it, but you just have to look at the, the, how physical health and how we've kind of related to physical exercise over the last kind of 30 years to see what the pattern is. So people start to become more aware of it. Scientists start to become more interested in it. We get the science and we get mm-hmm. the research and we get a better understanding of why it's important. That starts to influence kind of normally kind of fairly either early adopters or it's very kind of high level. 
and it's kind of governments start to look at it. And, you know, in, in the UK, yeah. there's even kind of a government panel on mindfulness wow. and meditation and kind of looking at how does it apply to the judicial? Like, mm. how does it apply to, yeah, people in jail, to schools, to education? Right. And people in the military. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's really kind of broad. Mm. And when you look at right now, it already is available. Like we make it available to people in jails. We make it available to schools. Um, and to the people in the military have used it. I think it's, wow. it's already part of so many different environments, even kind of, you know, we have companies of 100,000 plus kind of using kind of headspace. If wow. you, if you think kind of it's already in all those things there is an element of kind of you know faddish behavior that comes with everything so i i think yeah. perhaps eventually kind of the media might kind of tire of it but i don't think that will make it any less important gotcha. i just think we will have a more refined understanding and i also think there'll be a shift away from just awareness and again although it sounds a bit kind of cliche towards compassion mm. i think there's already research ton yes. of research going into it and and what is the impact of meditation not only on ourselves as individuals but also on those around us i think right. that will be the biggest kind of shift right. okay cool a yeah. uh, couple final questions for you sure and before i ask the final questions we didn't talk about this beforehand, but is there like a special discount or code people can use to go try this right now that I can send people to or? Yeah. Um, you can just try it yeah. free. See if you like it. And I would say to anyone, even the most skeptical, try 10 minutes yes. and try it for 10 minutes a day. Like it's completely free. Yeah. Like 10 minutes a day for 10 days. Just see it as an experiment to yourself. Do you feel any different? If you don't, if you don't, don't use no, it again. Nothing lost. Don't yeah. use it again. Yeah. But if you see a difference, then maybe you might start thinking differently mm. about looking after the health of the mind. Yeah, and even if you do it once a week, it's better than nothing. 100%. Like, you know I mean? uh, yeah. Start somewhere. E e exactly. E yeah. It's, as much as consistency is important, like, yeah, uh, be flexible as well yeah. and, and start start in a place that feels comfortable. And there's times where I'll go, you know, months without doing, yeah. you know, meditation. And I'm like, you know what? What am I doing? This is something that's important. Yeah. It's just like, again, when you focus it on, like, would I go months without working out? Yeah. You probably wouldn't, yeah. you know, if you're an avid person that likes to be healthy. Um, so just take that into account and like this is yeah. just as important. Yeah. Ten minutes is nothing. Yeah. You know, for the benefit. Just doing this for five minutes before, yeah. I feel so much calmer and relaxed and, yeah. you know, refreshed at the same time. Yeah. It's just it continues to remind me every time I do it. So um, I'll link this up in the show notes afterwards. Awesome. So check out the show notes here in a second. The app is called Headspace for you guys uh, who – to check that out on the app store. It's in iTunes and, and Android, Android and everything, yeah, right? Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, web and um, final three questions. Yeah. What are you most grateful for in your life recently? Uh, I think the arrival of our, of our little boy. Mm. Um, How old is he? So he's, he's 18 months old now, just, just Congrats. passed. And, um, it's been an extraordinarily, uh, kind of exciting roller coaster time yeah. you know and um mindfulness has been so valuable <laughs> in, in the midst of it all you know it's because it's so exciting but any parent you yeah, know you know, sure. is, um it's also exhausting but he imagine. has brought so much joy into cool. our house and i'm very grateful for did him. you ever think you would have a child as a monk i never thought i'd wow. have a child so it was yeah you never dreamed of this huh i think as a as a as a younger guy, you know, like in my late teens, I really, really kind of 
family was really important to me and I always dreamed of having a kid. But once I'd made the commitment to be a monk, I was kind of like, okay, so that's not happening. And then all of a sudden, here I am with a little boy. And I don't know if it's kind of relevant, but I I feel like in terms of gratefulness, a couple of years back when I arrived in America, I actually found out I had um, had cancer, testicular cancer. Wow. And so, again, we sat sat in a room with a doctor and the doctor was kind of like, you know, like if you want to have kids, like, you know, you got three or four days kind of just Shut up. Uh, yeah, so again, kind three of. Three or was, four days. Yes, until the operation. Oh so my gosh. He's like, you know, you need to go to the bank and stuff and right, right. Kind of bank, you know. The sperm bank. Uh, exactly. And, and so, Holy but, cow. but again, I found myself in a situation where I kind of thought, like, well, okay, so maybe I'm not going to have, even though I'm not a monk anymore, maybe I'm not wow. going to have kids. And then two months after the operation, my, my wife got pregnant. Shut up. And, uh, and here we are, you know, Holy so. Cow, man. I feel grateful for many. That's incredible. Actually. Even when you like go to the sperm bank, yeah. whatever, there's no guarantee. Exactly. Holy exactly. cow. So we were just incredibly grateful, you know? It's Wow, man. Yeah. I didn't know about this operation. That's crazy. That's a whole nother yeah. conversation. There's another conversation. How did you how important was meditation during it's huge. I mean during the first of the stress of knowing that that was happening. Yeah. I mean I didn't even know it happened. It literally happened. I I don't scare anyone but like it literally happened overnight kind of um it wasn't like uh the tumor was growing but it was growing in such a way without going into too much detail that it kind of grew from the center so there's no way of kind of knowing it was happening until one night something kind of changed and it was like oh i think i need to go to er and i went and found out and it was really advanced and very aggressive and i had to have the operation here four days four days later gosh how did you? What did you do in those four days? How was your mind racing, man? Yeah, it was crazy. That's like twenty is. years of practice to the test now. Yeah, yeah, completely. Like, let's see how good of a monk you are. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's true. You know, like I think initially there's just the, the shock of it. And oh it's, man, you know, and having to share it with family oh, my and gosh. stuff and my wife, and that was that was tricky, you know. Wow. Um, and then there was the kind of there was even you know first you find out and then it's like okay, well that's kind of. It's not good, like, but let's find out how bad it is. And then, you know, go and see the doctor and the doctor's saying, well, we should do some scans because it may well have spread, you know. Oh, so then man. there's the uncertainty of like, has it gone to the brain? Has oh, it gone to the... And I think throughout that time, like having that sense of being grounded and th- the most thing, the thing I'm most grateful for in that situation from the training and meditation was, was being okay with uncertainty Wow. and not knowing. And in that moment, because the truth is, in that moment, you don't know anything. Like, there's the could be, might this happen, should this happen, could this happen. But the truth is, no in idea. that moment, you're sitting in a chair in a doctor's surgery. You're alive. Waiting. There's no pain. It's yeah. kind of like, okay, this is this is actually what's happening in the moment. Everything else is an idea. Yeah. And so kind of keeping kind of present on the side of the road rather than kind of, you know, hopping in the cancer car and kind of yes. driving miles down the road thinking about it. That for me was the most valuable thing. Wow. Holy cow. It was a surprise. Big surprise. Oh my gosh. I can only imagine. Yeah. Wow. Well, congrats on making it through the other side. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It feels good. It feels good. Um, Man, we'll have to have a whole other conversation about this. Um, Final two questions. Mm. It's many, many years from now. Yeah. Uh, And it's your final day Mm -hmm. on Earth. Yeah. And. Big question, man. Headspace is <laughs> deleted. Yep. And every book you've written is gone. Every this interview is gone. Yeah. Videos you put out there gone. And I knew yeah. you've got a lot of content on Headspace. <laughs> a lot of videos, a lot of content. Uh, but for whatever yeah. reason, it's erased. And yeah. your friends and family are all there. They give you a piece of paper and they say, 
Um, this is all that we're going to rem be reminded of you physically. Yeah. The words you write down here is going to be the message you leave behind. And there's yeah. three truths you want to, we want you to share with us. Wow. Three, three things you know to be true about everything you've learned in this experience from yeah. childhood to being a monk to meditation to whatever you create for the rest of your life. Yeah. What would you pass behind for us to remember and to use as principles as three truths? Goodness me. I think, I mean, I was tempted at first to say I, w I would leave it blank and not as a, to, to dismiss the notion, but actually I, I feel in, in words, we kind of limit ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel every time I speak about meditation in a way, moving further away from the experience itself, which is talking what, about it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I feel like as a, as a world, as a society, words so often divide us. Uh, of course, they bring us together as well, but so often they divide us. And in our mind, even if we don't speak the words, we are always judging mm. and labeling and dividing. And if we could only just for a moment, like silence unites. Like I sat in a room last week with three, 4,000 people doing a meditation, leading meditation. And in that moment, all we were doing as a group was experiencing the human condition. Like, we were all the same. Like, it didn't matter what people were wearing, what names they had, what culture they came from, what age they were, kind of what they believed in, what politics they followed. Like, we were all just following the breath. And I love the idea of that unity, you know, that in, yeah, in silence we, we are united. Mm. But if you, if you then said, look, Andy, that's a load of nonsense. Like, still, give me the three things, you know, <laughs> then I, I would probably say, um, the first one, appreciation, like precious human life. Like this, it's so easy to forget that our yeah. time is limited. Yeah. And we live very often with this delusion that we're going to live forever. We know it intellectually that we won't, but that's not the way we live our life. So number one would be yeah, appreciation or precious human life. Mm. Number two, I think would be recognizing and embracing change or impermanence. Everything is always changing. Nothing stays the same. So much of our, our suffering in life comes from trying to hold on to things or being fearful of what might arise mm -hmm. in the future. If we recognize that everything is always changing, that everything's always coming and going, then we're free. Yeah. Like there's a, there's a completely different feeling kind of to life. And the last one would be probably acceptance. And I think we live with this idea that life should be kind of we should always be happy that everything should always be as we always want it to be that's not the nature of life mm. because of that we're always fighting with life yeah, we're fighting in our mind fighting outside like it doesn't matter like there's this sense of kind of resisting we want life to be different from how it is life is how it is and if we can only be okay with that acceptance then you know, we, we live a very different kind mm. of life. We feel very different. It doesn't mean, to be clear, acceptance doesn't mean just going with the flow when someone's doing something very negative. It doesn't mean kind of just saying, oh, okay, then I don't need to do anything. That's a very different thing. Mm. But you can it, still choose to change your it, outcome. It, exactly. Yeah. But it's with those things that we're unable to change in life, can we be at ease with them? Mm -hmm. So appreciation impermanence and acceptance would mm. be my three. I love that. That's great. Uh, before I ask the final question, I want to acknowledge yeah. you, Andy, for mm. the choices you've made in your life to first leave everything behind and go learn something and, and develop your 
your mind, your heart, your body with the practice that you have. And then to have the courage to leave that, which I can only imagine how fearful and scary that could be at that time, to go back into something else that you hadn't been used to for a while, and then say, I'm going to use everything I've learned for the last decade Hmm. and impact the world to the best of my ability. I think it's incredible your amount of service, your amount of, of love and compassion that you have for humanity and helping all of us heal whatever that is going on in our minds and our hearts that isn't serving us. So I want to acknowledge you for wow. your incredible gift to humanity. It's yeah. very generous. Yeah. Like I, yeah, it's really, really kind. I, I don't know. You know, you know what it's like. Like mm. for me, I'm just um living this life, yeah. and and I, I genuinely anything that I have. I have to offer. I've learned it from people far more impressive right. to me. Yeah. And I've learned it from teachers. And this is, uh, these techniques, these teachings, they've mm. been around for thousands of years. Yeah. They, and I think whenever I teach meditation, I always kind of think what I'm teaching has been refined by how many, un- how many individuals over how many hundreds, how many, many. thousands of years. And I'm just another one mm-hmm. and there will be kind of many more who yes. can refine it and simplify it in a way far more yes. eloquently than, than me. Yeah, yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. No, I appreciate it. And, thank uh, you. Yeah. And the final question, before I ask the final question, you know, as you were going through things today, the meditation today, and as I listen to them all the time, mm-hmm. the way you do it is much different than when I hear other people do it. And what I love, what, what came up for me was that meditation for me comes when you're listening to a guided meditation, yeah. it comes between, in the space between the words. Yeah. It's the the pauses that you have. They're very intentional, I'm assuming, in their length of time. And that's when everything starts to, like, connect with me. Yeah. It's not actually when you're saying the words. No. It's when you stop saying the words. Yeah. And I'm like, it's just so – everything you do is very intentional. I'm aware of it. And it's so powerful. So – I want everyone to make sure they check out and try this for yourself because it's going to be really transformative for your life and impact the people around you because how you show up – on a day-to-day basis, impacts others, and you want to show up your best. That's it. Um, Final question is, what's your definition of greatness? Uh, (laughs) um, Again, not wanting to dodge the the question, but I would encourage anyone to actually, I think we find greatness in letting go of these labels and notions of of what we perhaps because what I I thought was greatness when I was younger turns out that was something else that was that was maybe for me that it it didn't turn out to be true and what I thought wasn't important when I was younger those turn out to be the really important things to to learn to be to love well mm. and to be able to be loved and to be kind and yeah all those other things the you know to be successful with what we're doing in in the world like that's important but it's probably not as important as being happy as having peace of mind of having kind of healthy happy relationships and remembering that we are just one person of many on a very crowded planet and each and every one of us has a responsibility not only to ourselves for our health and happiness Mm. but also to those around us immediately and people we've never even met on the other side of the world Mm. Andy thanks so much for being here it's a real pleasure thanks for having me in thank you there you have it, gang. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, meditation is something that I continue to dive in and talk about 
and apply to my own life because I see such incredible benefits. I'm not saying you have to meditate to achieve your dreams and and achieve greatness and get to the next level. Uh, And there's a lot of peak athletes that I talk to who actually don't meditate. They don't follow a specific practice. But I believe it is extremely helpful, especially if you're not clear If you get distracted, if you ever feel overwhelmed, if you've ever felt stressed before, I feel like it's an extremely important and valuable tool to use to help you stay balanced and focused on a day-to-day basis and not feel the overwhelm or the busyness that comes in our lives. So I hope you guys enjoy this and make sure to take up the offer on Andy. Check out uh, lewishouse.com slash 309 to learn about the Headspace offer and... Yeah, guys, make sure to check it out. Let me know what you guys think of this one. Share with me your thoughts over on Twitter, at Lewis Howes. And please share this with your friends, lewishowes.com slash 309. If you know someone who feels stressed or overwhelmed or could use some meditation in their lives and maybe they have, uh, haven't tried it yet and you've been telling them to, send them this interview and maybe we'll get them to, to jump on board and give it a try. Thank you guys again so very much. I love you. You mean the world to me. And I hope you're constantly going after your dreams and know how much that you do matter. Thank you again. You know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. person or a bedtime procrastinator everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style and you'll find the best mattress for you at ashley the new temper adapt collection at ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body conforming technology making every sleep tailored to be your best the collection also features cool to the touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners pets or kids shop the all-new temper adapt collection at ashley in store online at ashley.com ashley for the love of home at Metro, get an iPhone 12 with 5G and a dual camera system for $99.99. Take amazing pictures and share them instantly. And don't put up with life's yada yada. Yada yada. Like photo bombers. Zoom, crop out, yada yada. And bye. You don't take yada yada in life. Don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Get iPhone 12 with 5G with no activation fees and nada yada yada. Only at Metro by T-Mobile. Switch to Metro, bring your ID. This offer isn't available for customers currently at T-Mobile or that have been with Metro in the past 180 days.